Discussing my anime prologue video, how it came to be and the difficulties that I had in creating it. You can't unsee the video? I'm sure that anime video that I made, it'll, it'll pass through your mind eventually, but for me, I heard those lines so many times while editing it. As I said when, at the end of the anime prologue video that I made, I learned a lot about audio while making it. Uh, how important panning is to to know what character is speaking. How important um, reverb profiles are, where you duplicate the audio and then you put reverb on it so it, the there's actual an echo, so it sounds like the voice is being said in the scene as opposed to being said in an audio booth. I tried to keep the video as close to the original as possible, but I did make a few changes. Um, there's like a line, there's like a word or two that's different in different places or like, when the when the guard gets shot, Michael um, originally goes, "She didn't have to do that." When I had I made it so the line actually was, "Shit, you didn't have to do that." So you hear the voice actor say "shit" as opposed to the the Michael line where he kind of just stutters over "shit," so you barely hear it because the the mouth movements are actually go "shit," but the the original Michael, uh, Ned Luke, sorry, Ned Luke doesn't say um the actual line. There's two examples of that. Never before did I have a need to so specifically analyze who was saying what, you know. How long did it take for the big projects? Uh, it's hard to say because I spent a lot of time waiting for lines to be done. And even when the lines were submitted, it wasn't a project that um, I was super keen to work on. Both because of its, how difficult it was. And like when I know I can't complete a project in a day, I'm less motivated to do it. Especially when this is a new project and you know I was uncertain about it I don't know how well it's gonna go and stuff and it wasn't a pressing thing like there was no time sensitivity to it I could release it now I could release it a year from now uh, Whenever there was anything that Was a pressing concern I This project was pushed to the side. It's not as though I spent Literally months worth of time on it, but I started working on it back in July. So it's November now July was when I first asked for lines to be done, I think. Where did the idea come from? So, in, in one of my speedruns, we were in prologue and someone donated, ooh woo, what's this, local resistance? Because Michael says in prologue, what's this, local resistance? And I was like, oh, that's funny. I, I, I always hear that now whenever Michael says that line. And that became a running joke. That every single time we were there, it would say, we, we, some, like I would think that I would say it or whatever. Um, so then I decided that I would get someone to say that line in a cutesy anime voice and I would make it into a donation sound. And the submissions I got, some, some of them were okay, but they weren't good enough to use. And I think that's what led to me writing down in, a, in a, um, my notepad, my, my ideas thing, where I was like, you know, make all of prologue into anime voices. And then it sat there for, for a long time, and then just one day, I had nothing going on, I wasn't doing anything productive, and I was looking, I'm like, oh, you know what, I'll send off uh, the, the, the scripts that I took from the internet, and see what it cost me, or see if a person's willing to do it. And it, it turned out, using the scripts that I downloaded from the internet ended up causing me problems, because it wasn't a perfect script. It had many different errors in it, so 80% of it was correct, but then I had to go back and um, give her were additional words to do. Um, and even then, like, I, I, I think it, it took like five attempts of getting her to re-say lines or changing certain things uh, about the original script before it was um, perfect to, um, 
for the project. You saw the horrible thing that I uploaded? I honestly like it. I call it cursed because it is kind of cursed. And that was the point. But I am quite proud of my work. I think I did a good job. It pains me that... Like, the reason why I showed the timeline is to communicate the difficulty of the project. It wasn't easy. At least, let's say 50 times where I looked at it and went, how the fuck am I going to solve this? <laughs> what does cursed mean? Like, it doesn't mean bad necessarily, but like, this shouldn't exist. Kind of thing. It's something that is wrong. The off-putting is a good way of putting it, yeah. Like, there was a time while working on the project where it did feel weird to work on it. Especially when, like, like when I, I showed a bit of it on stream once. Where I had to go through a bunch of lines where it was just, fuck, 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 fuck. And it was like, this is so weird. Because, <laughs> like, I would have to listen to, like, one of the lines over and over again. Because there's a multiple things to pick the best ones. And Now that I have the prologue project, it would actually be fairly simple to substitute other lines in there. I could do it all myself with my own voice. I don't think it'll be as popular though. I thought it was just gonna be a quick meme and it turned out to be a much bigger project. It was interesting to work on, but I don't think I'm gonna do it again, especially because it hasn't done all that well. Every indication would suggest it would do well, but it didn't. It is somewhat disheartening that I can upload a 30 second clip to my clip channel and it can get 1.5 million views, but I can work on a video for months and put it on my main channel and it gets 100,000. I'm very happy with how that video turned out. I'm very proud of the work that I did. The new audience I've gained from my Clips channel and the viability of short form content on YouTube. So my Clips channel is popping off, like insanely. And it's having the effect that I wanted it to have where my the recommendations for my main channel are going back up. So I was talking to Carl about it yesterday. Uh, the reason why those clip channels are doing well, it's debatable whether YouTube has put a thumb on the scale to uh, make out the algorithm care more about shorter content uh, in order to compete with things like uh, TikTok and all that. But I think it's possible that the algorithm came to the conclusion that short content is valuable all on its own. Because when you see a video that's an hour long, you're like, oh man, I don't have an hour's worth of time. Or, man, this video will have to be really good for me to be willing to invest an hour's worth of time into it. Even while you know you probably won't watch the whole thing or whatever, you, you think about that when you see a long video. But a 30 second video? Everyone has 30 seconds to watch. When a, an hour long video is presented in recommendations, only a portion of those people will have an hour's worth of time to watch a, a, an hour long video. But 30 seconds, anyone on YouTube has 30 seconds to watch a video. Or they wouldn't be that. And then they're like, oh, you know, if this video is shit, what have I lost? 30 seconds. Short videos, therefore, are far more likely to have a, uh, a higher click-through rate. It's funny what's getting popular. There's a clip with half a million views, which is just me reading... Oh, no, 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 that is a text-to-speech donation. Got half a million views. Just goes to show you never know what's going to get popular. There, there was one that a clock and bell truck got thrown in front of me on Father Son. And it started with low views, and I was like, oh, that's weird. I thought the thumbnail having cluck and bell in it would cause people to click. And then I checked back another day, it had 200,000 views. Do I gain any revenue from the Clips channel? Yeah, it's just not... It's a, only a small fraction per view as my main channel. But because there's so many more views, it, it adds up, you know.
I did a poll and 40% of the people who watched my clips didn't know of me before the clips. My, my explosive amounts of new subs on my main channel show that it's, my clips channel is succeeding in what I wanted it to do, which is to find me a new audience. Genshin Impacts. You guys seen the new, what's the game called? The Zelda game, but it's anime waifus that everyone plays. The um, Genshin Impact or something. Everyone's sponsored by that shit, Kanye, it seems. Kanye's making billions of dollars with his bloody loot boxes. I've seen reviews of Genshin Impact that suggest it's actually pretty good. Other than the crazily terrible microtransactions. I mean, no game that's gonna work on mobile is ever gonna be like an amazing game, you know? You're very limited in the controls that you can have. I mean, it can have a good story or decent graphics, but it can never be like groundbreakingly crazily good because it can only have a certain degree of complexity. Russian music. Do I like Russian music? For my Watch Dogs 3 video, I had to look up Russian music and uh, nothing really jumped out at me. The the only thing that I like is, um, what's that that hard bass thing where they, you're half crouching and flicking out your legs. What's the thing called? There's this video, it's got like tens of millions of views called like Tripoloski. Yeah, that video is cool. It's like, it's, it's not like a two minute video or something, it's, it's very good. I think I used it in the Watch Dogs video. No, I think I didn't. I think I went with a Soviet national anthem. Rockstar content license agreements. Am I ready to buy a license to stream this from Rockstar? Rockstar already has in the user license agreement that you can make content. But it's funny though, in the user license agreement, cutscene movies are specifically uh, against the uh, the agreement. Why? Because uh, you can't imagine showcasing the entire story of GTA uh, helps Rockstar. But then again, Given that the game's been out for seven plus years or whatever, I'm sure they don't really care. And you can tell that they don't really care considering uh, all the cutscene movies that still exist on YouTube. And existed even like a year afterwards. But you would imagine if you had released a cutscene movie like days after the thing had released, they probably would have taken it down. Big streamers limiting donations. Thoughts on big streamers like Pokemon limiting, disallowing their donations on their streams? The first person I was aware of doing that was Alpha Gaming, actually, which isn't even what you might call one of the really top-tier streamers. My question is, do they disallow bits? Is it even possible to turn off bits on your stream? Because Alpha Gaming didn't disallow bits. The next person I was aware of was Toast, and that was quite a while ago. Both Toast and Pokimane have received eight-figure deals from Twitch. Oh, oh, no, Toast was Facebook Gaming and uh, Pokemon was Twitch. They clearly don't need donation money. They have enough to live the rest of their lives. So it makes perfect sense that you turn off donations. I would imagine that Twitch wouldn't allow you to turn off bits as a partner. The meta of opening Pokemon cards on stream. What do you think about the new meta of opening very expensive card booster boxes? I don't really see this as a new meta. It's more like a continuation of an old meta where people with a lot of money can show off that money in ways that will get them views from people who can't possibly afford to do that thing, right? The new slant, I suppose, is that rather than it being, you know, oil princes or whatever from Saudi Arabia, it's 
gamer nerd guys who are being able to get the exclusive nerdy things. It also combines the the loot box phenomenon as well. So it's a, it's a combination of a lot of different things that have brought in views before. Because remember when people just sit around like 10,000 people watching people open crates in CSGO? And then gambling became a thing after that, where everyone was doing gambling for a while. So it's gambling, flexing, and gamer nerdy stuff all combined into one. It's interesting. Yeah, so you're unboxing things that will hopefully appreciate and value while getting money from subs and ads and all that. Like I, I saw Mizkif had 60,000 viewers yesterday. I mean, Logan Paul and all that who kind of at least jump-started the, the current mainstream trend of this. Didn't he have like half a million viewers or something on YouTube? 1984. You started reading 1984. You no longer want to be one of those people who have never read the book yet quoted a lot. I have at no point in my life ever called something like 1984, nor have I ever alluded to possibly having read the book because I have not. I feel like the minority on that, on that sometimes. My favorite fantasy books. I was always a fantasy buff when I read physical books as opposed to just audiobooks. Like if you go to a top 10 list of the best fantasy books, I've read, the, read them all. Like A Wheel of Time and the Rift War Saga and um, the Empire Trilogy. So it'd be Raymond E. Feist, Robert Jordan, Jenny Wirtz. I haven't been much into reading or fantasy books or whatever in a, quite a long time. I spend too much of my time working these days. Uh, but I do listen to audiobooks slowly. I couldn't get through the Witcher series. I got to the final book and it was just so slow. I'm still curious what happens in it, but not enough that I'm willing to deal with the slog of the book series. I have now twice tried to get into Dune and failed both times. It's going to be interesting to watch the movie. Sponsored hardware. Whenever I do these deals where I'm ultimately just getting the hardware, I've only done one before and that was for the 3950X. I always wonder, because I'm using a middleman, I wonder what that middleman is getting out of it from AMD. Clearly they are charging AMD a fee. I wonder what that fee is. It's m guarantee you it's more than what the part is worth for me. But ultimately I just do the deals because I want access to the hardware. But certainly if I had representation to debate the um, exactly what I'm getting or what I have to do, I I'd probably get something more out of it. But. Board games that I enjoy. Ones that can't come to mind are um, Secret Hitler. What's that, what's that one um, where you put the cards and they spell weird things? The black cards, you know? I liked Monopoly as a kid. Oh, it took very far in the past. I play a lot of card games with my grandmother, like cribbage, poker, blackjack. Play a lot of Rummy-O, Rummy Cub. Play a lot of Yahtzee, Monopoly. Oh yeah, I played some Scrabble. Me, me and my mother used to play Scrabble. Used to play chess with my father. Secret Hitler is a game similar to Among Us. There's two fascists and Hitler, and the fascists know who they are and who Hitler is, but Hitler doesn't know who the fascists are. Then there's the liberals who are trying to vote out the fascists. And so, like, Hitler has to figure out who his supporters are so he can work with them. And the fascists have to kind of s signal to Hitler that they're fascists without getting caught by the liberals. And the liberals have to find who the fascists or Hitler are. are. 
And there's, there's uh, no, you, you don't throw them, you shoot them or something. It's, uh, yeah, I can't remember the exact rules, but it's, 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 a, it's a fun game. It's basically like Among Us in board game form. Chess isn't a board game, Wikipedia says it's a sport, it could be both. Why can't it be both? Owning a car. Imagine owning a car, cringe. I've always both liked and disliked right, owning a car, because when I, uh, you know, was less well off than I am now, it would always annoy me that my car was like one of my biggest non-necessary expenses, especially when I was working from home and stuff. But it's always nice just to be able to hop in your car and drive wherever you need to go. My car is quite old though, and I should probably replace it, but I just can't be bothered because I drive basically nowhere. What's probably going to end up causing me to get a new car is if I ever start dating again or doing online dating or something and have to go meet people, uh, I'll probably buy myself a new car just because I can afford it now. And I'm sure the average person looking upon my car would not think of me highly. <laughs> Alternatives to my Twitch career. Have I ever had another job? Of course. I worked in fresh produce department at a supermarket for five years. I repaired hearing aids for, well, hearing aids and hearing devices for like three years. Uh, I delivered pamphlets and papers for maybe two years when I was younger, maybe, maybe a bit more, I'm not sure. I have a community services uh, diploma, or no, a certificate four, and uh, a bachelor's of social science with a major in psychology. What job would I do if there was no Twitch and YouTube? Probably astronauts. They were kind of my choices. Either become an astronaut or be a Twitch streamer. And I chose to be a Twitch streamer. I'd be an underwater stripper for sharks. Exactly. If I quit Twitch and YouTube, what would I do in my spare time? I've always imagined I would take care of myself. As in I would uh, begin exercising. I would read more books. Watch a lot more TV shows. I would get myself a very big TV and a very comfortable chair. I would do, I would go back to dating and do online dating and stuff. You could allocate less time to content creation and spend more time enjoying yourself. I am not convinced that I have longevity in this space. I am fairly convinced that, you know, I gotta strike while the iron's hot. I have the rest of my life to be non-popular, non-interesting, normal dude. I may only have a few more years of being successful. So I may as well make the most of it while I can and do that other real-life stuff somewhere down the line. Comparing one-hit KO runs to my normal speed runs. One-hit KO, of course, being another name for my no-damage runs. Watching all my clips, guys, I miss speedrunning so much. I don't really feel like a speedrunner anymore, which is a stupid thing, because, I mean, like, I did a run, like, a month and a bit ago, even if it was a short run, I, I still do speedrun. And what I'm doing here is at least tangentially related to speedrunning. But back in the day, doing runs every single day, man, that's when I felt like a speedrunner, you know? I can only go back to speedrunning when I finish this. When I finish this, I can go back. If I go back before that point, then I'm screwed. Because the strats will just keep getting mixed up in my head. This is too difficult to half-ass. Do I prefer the slow phase of Oko or the fast phase of speedruns? Oh, you mean pace. The slow pace of Oko is the parts where it's like effectively impossible for me to die. There are more high stake parts of Oko than there are of the speedrun, right? Because even if I have a small issue or a fail or whatever, 
in the speed run, I can continue. It's not necessarily going to be a death to the run. I can make up that time hypothetically. But in Oko, the nanosecond I fail, it's done. And that's very stressful. So Oko is very laid back for like 75% of the run. But there's 25% of it that's extraordinarily nerve-wracking. In speedruns, it's basically all nerve-wracking. You've got to be on your game all the time, but the, the consequences for failure aren't as high. Although I suppose once you're down to like you're, you're, you're neck and neck almost with world record, then the consequences for failure are, you know, become even higher. But if I were to go back to speedrunning right now, it'd be quite relaxed because my PB is so far off world record at this point. Do you think that five years ago you'd be doing a no-hit run of GTA 5? Absolutely not. Oh, five years ago? Oh yeah, I guess five years ago because I've been streaming for five years. I've been playing GTA 5 for five years. I wouldn't find that absurd. If you told me at any point in time in my life, um, prior to starting my YouTube channel or whatever, that uh, yeah, I'd be successful in some creative capacity, I wouldn't have believed you. I never saw myself as a particularly creative person. That's what happens when you have people around you who uh, profess no interest in anything that you do and just put you down at all fucking points of time. Gambling and the stock markets. Your Black Drake video was hilarious. Are you talking about my clip that I just put up there? Or are you talking about all four parts of the Blackjack stuff? Because those are good videos. But no, I will never do that on stream now. I avoid gambling these days. I am a risk-averse person. You see those posts sometimes where people are like, I put all my life savings on X to win X. And you're like, you're goddamn insane. But of course, man, if they'd won, people would go, Oh man, I heard this guy, he won all this money, putting his life savings on this. Oh, what a genius. You know? Of course, loot boxes should be banned in games. So, so, so many monetary techniques for games are so predatory and disgusting. And they are just gambling. They, they feed on the same psychological failings, you know? Honestly, if you put your entire life savings down on one bet, can't feel bad for you when you lose. I can feel bad for them. Either that's a failure of their genetics, sort of a failure of their environments, or they would have needed as one, you know, sane person in their life to go, yep, yeah, you shouldn't do this, my friend. It's a terrible idea. I have lived my life. I have uh, lost in gambling. I've, uh, you know, I've seen what that can do. I don't have a, a massively addictive personality. Things could have been different in my life and I would have been right in that same guy's shoes. Are stocks gambling? Yeah, it depends what you're doing. I mean, to a degree, in the sense that your outcomes are dependent upon an uncertain future. If you're going to have a definition of gambling that is so all-encompassing that stocks make it in, then basically any form of risk is going to be considered gambling under that definition. I mean, a gamble is actually a synonym for a risk. Did you see that thing where McDonald's announced that they were creating their own vegetable burger or something that's going to be releasing soon and the stock price for uh, some vegetable burger company or whatever uh, dropped like six points and then a later announcement clarified that mcdonald's was getting involved with that specific company to produce this vegetable burger and so the stock price went back up again and the joke title i think was the stock market when tech bros get notifications <laughs> meat substitute burgers one problem i had with hungry jacks's implementation of a uh, vegetable substitute 
burger. What was it called? Um, I can't remember. Whatever. The, the thing I, the problem I have with it is that you can't just order the same burgers, but with that meat in it. Like, if I can say, hey, I want a Big Mac, but rather than the normal Big Mac meat, I want the vegetable substitute stuff, I would do that far more. I'm not super sold on the whole eat less meat to save animals' lives. Because in reality, all that would mean is that uh, the demand goes down, so they... This supply doesn't go up, so they just, uh, they birth less of that animal, which is, is different than saying you're actually saving an animal's life. But in terms of environmental impacts, uh, I'm fairly certain these uh, vegetable burgers are better for the environment. A longer rant on success and luck. What do I think of Elon Musk? He seems massively overrated. Elon Musk uh, kind of lost me with a... Well, I was never on the Elon Musk train, but he was kind of dead in any possibility of me jumping on that train after all his spreading of fake stuff about the coronavirus and saying, by all evidence, it'll go away in April or whatever the fuck he said. It's, he seems to be a driven, fairly intelligent guy who got lucky a few times and now thinks he can do literally anything, which is why he stumbles a lot and falls flat on his face. You don't think you can luck out being a billionaire? That's all that being a billionaire is. You can't actively work to be a billionaire. A billionaire is something that happens to you. You do things, you're granted opportunities, and it snowballs. You can't work to make a billion dollars. That's too, too much money. You can work to make a hundred dollars. You can add an extra hours of uh, eight hours of overtime. But when you think to yourself, how do you become a billionaire? There's, there's no game plan that you can etch out there. It's being in the right place at the right time and getting lucky. And working hard, of course. But there are people working to the maximum proficiency, as hard as they can, all day, every day, the hardest workers ever, who are taking home minimum wage. A human being can only put so many hours into any project. The rest has to come from external forces that you can't control. We talk about this all the time, but no. Elon Musk's history is not uh, a history of, you know, a guy pulling himself up from his bootstraps. You're mixing luck, luck with risk. It's a problem with society. If you have 10 people who each take a risk that has a 10% chance of success, statistically, one of those 10 people is going to succeed. And idiots in society will look at that one person and go, what a genius. So smart. Look at him and his success. How genius he is. Those other nine, fucking fools. Losers. They all took the same risk. And one of them had to win. But the one who got lucky is lauded as some super mega genius. When in fact, it was variables outside of their control that led to their success. And that's how life is. Some people, they, they, you, you throw endless hardworking people at the economy. Some people will have rewards for their hard work determined by factors outside their control. And the others won't. And the people who got lucky are the people who are lauded in society as geniuses. Assuming that analogy applies to the real world, which it doesn't do. That doesn't really apply. But it does apply, Zik. The best way for a person to make an amazing amount of money, like a, a, an obscene amount of money, is to accurately be able to predict the future. But that's impossible. You can only ever have an approximate idea as to what's going to happen in the future by extrapolating from what exists today. The what you can extrapolate from is always going to be incomplete and it's going to be based on factors outside of your control as in 
if you're at lunch and you hear some guy talking about how he thinks this product's gonna be big, and you then go research that and invest in it and make yourself a million dollars, you didn't determine that guy being that. If you think, oh, you know, this product might do very well, and then a year from now, the government invests a billion dollars in it, you didn't determine that. You know, you, you think, well, maybe it might, this might be a good idea. And factors outside of your control determine that to be the case. Every single day, there are endless people making a gamble on what the future is going to be based on the best information they have available. And some of those people have to be right. The history of the world is people being this close to greatness, but not catching a break. Sure, you can rationally make choices about the future, but you are not the, you are not the determinant of the future. You as an entity have less control over your environment than your environment has control over you. There are always more variables impacting you and your future than that you control. Every person who walks by you influences you to some capacity, to a greater or lesser degree. Every, everything from a person breathing near you versus the government it, like in, in that entire scale. You don't control all of that. You don't control what information is presented to you, right? You, you, you respond to environmental variables. You don't determine what variables are going to be impacting you. The, the, it's, it's the old example of Bill Gates. What was a greater determinant of Bill Gates' success? His hard work and ingenuity? Or that he was one of the very first people in the world to have consistent access to a PC and that his mother worked for IBM? But the, these, are just, these are just the, the, the noteworthy markers in the history of these successful companies and people that we know about. But of course, these, these events happen every day to everyone. Elon Musk is driving to work one day and there's some other guy who is, is drunk Think he's gonna drive himself home while drunk, but his friend stops him. If that friend hadn't have stopped him, that drunk driver would have hit Elon Musk and killed him. The, these events, these possibilities, you don't control. Every every single day, a young, vibrant mind who is gonna revolutionize the world is killed in a drunk driving accident. They had no, no involvement in it. Every day, some guy it happens to be in the right place at the right time. Like, like look look into Will Smith's history. How he got his job on um, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, he was literally just happening in the right room, right time. Got like a spur of the moment interview. You can very easily improve your circumstances a little bit by working harder. But to, to get like obscenely wealthy, obscenely, obscenely successful, obscenely famous, you have to get lucky so many fucking times. You, you, have, to, you have to dodge. You have to get those million to one chances over and over. What is, what is determining the difference between a person who's worth $100,000 and a person who's worth $50 billion isn't hard work. No one can work hard enough to legitimately make a billion dollars. You work hard and the systems in place extrapolate your wealth for you. There is a clear qualitative difference between some fat ass sitting on their couch watching TV all day and a person grinding 14 hours a day to achieve in life. But that difference isn't a billion dollars. You also gotta consider how smart you work. What determines how smart you work? Right now, each of us isn't working optimally. Where would you get the information to work smarter? I don't know. I am sure right now, there are tools available online that if I read them, I would work so much better. I have no idea where they are. I'm sure there are people that I could pick up my phone right now, dial numbers and be like, hey man, 
Can you give me some advice? And I get amazing advice. I, I, I just be so much famous, wealthy beyond reason, but I don't, I don't know anything about these things. I don't even know where to begin. How smart you work is also in a large part determined by the variables in your environment. You've got that young, the, the, your mentor that teaches you everything that they know. Your parents happen to be successful. You go to a school where you make network connections. You, 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 your starting point, right? You, you happen to be in a fucking bookshop and you see a book and you go, oh, this could be useful. And it happens to be useful. You didn't determine that book to be there, right? Not everyone exists in an environment that is both conducive to success and provides the knowledge necessary to even know that success is possible or how to best achieve it. You're lucky to be in one of those environments. If Elon Musk failed, he would be broken today. Depends at what point he failed. There is a point where failure isn't necessarily the end, right? When you're starting out, sure. But once you get to a certain degree of wealth, you've got a, cert a certain amount of connections, you know, a reputation, you can fail and it'd just be a small road bump, you know? But the thing is, if Elon Musk had failed in his early days, uh, either not being able to sell his company or, or what have you, or those times when they were, you know, a, a few weeks worth of rents before they had to leave or whatever, whatever the story was, we wouldn't know about it. There, there are tens of thousands, millions, if you like, over the course of history, of Elon Musk's that didn't beat the odds, that got to that point where failure would destroy them, and they and they fail. Variables outside their control. And we don't know about these people. For every genius, there are countless geniuses that are never appreciated and never amount to anything. Survivorship bias, exactly. I should, when I say never amount to anything, like, assuredly, a, a person who is a genius, who is not self-destructive, would end up doing something of note becomes a teacher or something, or just lives a basic life or whatever. I just mean in terms of millionaire famous person, let's say. By any definition that you could be called a genius, as long as you aren't mentally unstable or, or you've got an addiction or something like that, you're gonna have a decent life. The choices my family were given could have easily been set to the side and not taken upon. By taking risks they got rich. It was not purely down to luck. Even though my grandfather admits luck played a small part in what has happened. That's what, that's what a risk is, Dan. A risk is relying on variables outside of your control to move in a way that is conducive with your goals so that you succeed in a way that you could not have determined yourself. Had your parents taken those risks and they gone the other way, you would be like, oh, my fucking parents ruined my life taking those risks. Be sure to like the video and subscribe to my channel, it costs you nothing and I wish you all the best.